Amen. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. Um, can I have the first of those pictures up, please? Right, okay. And can I have the second one up, please? Could you go back to the first one? And then go back to the second, next one. I was hoping to put them side by side. We've had a few technical difficulties with that laptop today. Um, and it hasn't worked out. But I wonder if anyone can tell me... Um, you've just seen two pictures of names on the back of football shirts. Uh, I wonder if you can tell me something that might be a bit strange about that. They don't play for Fulham. I, I wish. I wish. I tell you. Say that again. You've got it. So, in actual fact, both of those players should have Cruyff on the back of their shirts. Okay, go back to the first one. Okay, you may, if you don't know much about football, um, you may not <laughs> know who this is. This is probably one of the greatest footballers that's ever been. His name is Johan Cruyff. Uh, he played for Holland, uh, amazing player, one of the few players to have a move named after him, which is, Derek, the Cruyff turn, if you know it, the Cruyff turn. Uh, I wish, I, if, if, I, if only I could, <laughs> if only I could, wow, I'd, I'd, get, I'd be all right if I could. Yeah, one of the greatest players of all time. Now, next picture. This is his son, Geordie Cruyff. Okay, good footballer, very good footballer. Uh, but he didn't want the Cruyff name on his back because he didn't think he could live up to his father's name. Okay? So instead of Cruyff, he asked to have the name Geordie put on his back so that he would never have to live up to... People wouldn't see Cruyff and think, oh, he's got to be as good as his father. Cruyff. Geordie. <laughs> Very good, Dave. He hasn't lost it. Yeah. He hasn't got it. <laughs> Ne never had it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, thanks if you tell us now. So, yeah. God, God reminded me about that when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about today, which is growing into the name. Growing into the name. Geordie didn't think he could ever live up to his father. He was a great player. He, he played international football, but his father was a legend. And he just couldn't... He just thought, I can't live up to that. I don't want that on my back. Um, I'm going to go back to this, but I'm going to say something that Jesus said. One of his disciples said to him... Uh, Will you show us 
the Father. And Jesus said this. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay? So Jesus, the opposite. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I just want to say that if we're in Christ... There is a great sense that we have the Father's name on our back. And we want to grow into that. And I'm going to look at two people who were given a name other than their birth name. And one lived up to it and the other one didn't. One grew into it and the other one didn't grow into it. I'm going to talk first of all about Jacob. Uh, Jacob was the uh, son of Isaac, uh, the grandson of Abraham. And his name actually means he grasps the heel. Because when he was born, he sort of hung on to his brother's foot, his twin brother's foot as he came out, which is weird. Uh, But he grasped the heel is also Hebrew slang for cheat or deceiver. So when people heard the name Jacob, they thought, cheat, schemer. You know, someone who deceives people. And uh, that's not much of a name to live up to, is it? It's not a very nice thing to go around with, you know, cheat. But sadly, he lived up to that name. Um, He schemed to get his brother's birthright and blessing. He schemed to get the best sheep from his uncle Laban, who was a bit of a twister himself. Uh, He he wasn't a nice person. I'm going to say to you that Jacob, in some ways, was an encouragement, as you'll find out. But he certainly wasn't an inspiration. I mean, don't take after Jacob. He was not a particularly nice person in any way. I mean, the way he acted with his family and all the rest of it. And uh, the thing is that despite all this, God stuck with him. I love the songs we sang this morning. God never gave up trying to help Jacob be something more than he started out as. He never gave up on that. Because he had promised Abraham that his descendants would be a blessing to the world. And not only did God not give up on Jacob, he watched over him, he blessed him, he protected him. And he kept giving Jacob reminders that God was still there. And I'm going to read a bit now. Uh, Jacob was now um, on the run from his brother. He's just cheated his brother for the second time. And his brother's not happy. In fact, if he catches Jacob, he's he's probably going to kill him, you know? And so Jacob runs for it. Jacob, where is it? it? It's in the Bible. (laughs) It's in Genesis 28, verse 10. Right. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. 
He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. This is, this is the twister here, Jacob. And this is what God's saying. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. That's the God I love. That's the Father I love. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, and I've written it in my margin. I've got one of these Bibles you can write in. Um, it's, this is what it says. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. And I've written how often this is true of me. Um, where, that's Jacob. He doesn't seem to realize that God is there watching everything he does. God's looking after him, but you can imagine all the stuff that Jacob's getting up to, and he, he's not really thinking, well, God is looking at what I'm doing. He's watching me cheat. He's watching me do, try and get whatever I can for me, despite no matter what it means to anybody else. He never seems to remember God, as you read his story, unless he's in trouble. It's funny, it's what Dave was saying earlier. Um, we don't just hang on to Jesus, you know, at those convenient times. You hear about people saying, look, you know, God, if you get me out of this, I'll do that, this and the other. And then afterwards, when they get out of it, they forget all about him. Uh, Jacob was a touch like that. And uh, I'm going to read another passage now. And it's, uh, it's when Jacob now is coming back to his home. He's now having to get away from his uncle Laban because he's just cheated him. This is Jacob's life. He's running away from something all the time. And, and it's just like that. You think, oh, God's going to give up on him. Hey, we sing the song. God doesn't give up on us. He keeps on going. Uh, we might feel like giving up. God doesn't even think about giving up on us. He loves us too much for that. And he promised that he would look after Jacob, no matter what Jacob did. And now Jacob is going away from Laban. Problem, okay? If he's going away from Laban, he's now going to meet his brother Esau, who he's cheated. Now Jacob being Jacob thinks right I know what I'll do I will send him lots of gifts in front of me okay I'll soften him up so he sends one group of people and then another group of people and, and, and all sorts of animals and sheep and all stuff like that anything he can do to soften his brother up because he is worried and he then does the pitch where he starts 
praying to God because he needs a bit of help. So now he's really praying to God. And uh, it says this, that night Jacob got up and took his two wives, two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he'd sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. And this is a weird story. Dave's read this one before. It's a very odd one. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overcome him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with him. Then the man said, let me go, for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And then Jacob realizes that he has been struggling with God. And that God has, uh, has now said to him, I'm going to give you a new name. And the name he's given him is Struggles with God. That's a bit odd, doesn't it? But I think it's an honest name because sometimes we struggle. I think Dave said again earlier, you know, sometimes we don't understand what's going on. Sometimes we're not sure what's, what's happening in our lives. Uh, we need, in a way, to yeah, really talk to God and discuss things with God. And sometimes, I'm not saying argue with God, but say, God, you know, tell me what's happening. I, I know you're right, but I, I want to find out. Um, I, I've always thought it's quite, not, not funny, but, you know, when Judith talks, tells us about how she talks to God sometimes and what are you doing and all that kind of stuff. You know, sometimes, let's be honest, you know, it's a, it's a kind of struggle with God. But you're with God. You're trying to be on his side. And there's another sense of struggling with God. That's almost like saying struggling alongside God as well. Having him in your struggle with you. Uh, and so, Jacob's got a new name. And it's to do with God. And it's to do with actually getting, you know, overcoming stuff with God. But here's the sad bit, okay? Although Jacob is mentioned many times in the rest of the book of Genesis, and there's another about 20 chapters to go, and his son's, son Joseph comes into it as well, and he takes up a bit of it, but Jacob is mentioned a lot of times. But he's only ever called Israel two or three times. He never grows into the name. He never manages. He, he spoils his, his youngest son, Joseph. He, he, every time you read about him, he seems a little bit selfish, a little bit self-centered, you know, uh, he, you wonder who he really cares about. So he's not an inspiration, but here's the encouragement. 
The encouragement is that God never leaves him. God never gives up on him. And, and in the end, in the end, he, he is looked after and his family do become, uh, they become his descendant. It's Jesus. You know, it's not, a, it's not totally a loss, but he could have been so much more. He could have been so much more. He never grew into the name. Instead of going out with uh, Cruyff on the back of his shirt, Israel on the back of his shirt, he settled for Geordie. He settled for Jacob. He, never, he went out on that pitch. He went out on that pitch with the wrong name on his back. He should have been trying to grow into being Israel, not sticking with Jacob. Here's another person who uh, got a new name. This is a happier story here. You'll be glad to know. And I'm going to read, I'm going to read the, this bit. And this is uh, Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh or blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Simon, the fisherman, got a new name for, from Jesus. It was Peter, and Peter means the rock, the rock. And Jesus was giving Peter an important position. It, there's a sense in which when he says rock, it's something that should be immovable, something that you can build something on. And Peter was going to be used to build the church. But Peter didn't get it right all the time. In fact, pretty soon afterwards, he got rebuked, and pretty severely as well. He, he said to Jesus, you can't go up. Jesus had told him that he had to go to Jerusalem and die on the cross, and, and Peter said, you can't do that. No, I'm not having that. You mustn't do that. Yeah, right. Tell Jesus what to do. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. That's pretty, that's pretty tough, isn't it? Pretty harsh. Uh, but, but he deserved it. And uh, later on, Peter disowned Jesus. At the time when Jesus needed support and encouragement and, and help, Peter denied him three times. Peter said, I, I don't even know this man. <laughs> I, don't talk to me about him. Don't. Peter, at times, let himself down. He was also quite, um, quite mouthy as well. He always said he could do something. 
you know, oh, they might all run for it. I won't. Well, let's do this. Let's do that, you know. Uh, don't just wash my feet, Lord. Wash all of me. He, he was just, he always, you know, he, he just wanted to go for it and, oh, big everything up. But inside, Peter had so much to learn. He might have been a, a big guy, but he had a lot to grow into. He needs to grow to be Peter. And right up to Jesus dying on the cross, he hadn't got it. He was still very much Simon, in a sense. He hadn't got the right name on the back of his shirt yet. Not yet. But after, and this in a way is like Jacob, Jesus was always encouraging Peter, always keeping an eye on him. And after the resurrection, three times he gives Peter the chance to kind of be restored. He, he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yeah. Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I, you know I do. And, and Jesus restores Peter. And then, and I'm going to read this bit from Acts. Jesus has now gone up to heaven. And uh, this is from Acts. And uh, it's from chapter 5 and uh, verse 27. So this is Peter. Peter is beginning, if I can use a phrase, Peter is beginning to dominate the pitch. Peter's put on the shirt. He's got Peter on the back. He's burnt the old Simon stuff. And he's gone out there. And uh, he's gone onto the pitch. And here it is. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, the name of Jesus, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Filled Jerusalem, yeah. Try and stop it. And are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exhorted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. Now, when they heard this, they were all absolutely furious and, uh, you know, they were punished. But, you know, the apostles left and Peter was amongst them rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Yeah. And uh, Peter, we read, he, he, he gets in prison, he gets flogged, all sorts of things happen to him and he doesn't blink. There are a couple of times later on we hear he might, you know, he doesn't quite get things right when uh, a, a few things, but he's grown yeah. into the name. Yeah. Peter is not Simon anymore. Yeah. And that's brilliant. And uh, it, we need to grow 
into the name. Now, I know that you could say, well, well, Jesus can say, you've seen me, so you've seen the Father. But this is what Jesus said. Uh, He also said uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, I want you to live a life so that people will see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You know, he, he is in heaven now, Jesus ascended, but we're still here. And we've got the name Father, Son, Holy Spirit on our backs. We need to grow into the name. Uh, how, do we, how can we do this? Well, last week we had a song and uh, a t- my bit of it was quoted afterwards by um, Judith. And this is a verse that I loved when I first became a Christian. And it's this. It's from Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. See, that's the important thing. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, a new name. Okay? The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You can all take that last bit, by the way, because Paul did. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, that's, it's important for you to all be able to say that me bit. Okay, you are in Christ. And because of that, you can grow into the name. If it was just down to you, if it was your efforts and only your efforts and you had nothing else, you wouldn't do it. You couldn't do it. But you've got Christ in you, the hope of glory. You can do anything. You, you've got him in you. Um, it's my, my message today is that you won't, you won't feel that you're not good enough. Do you know? Geordie Cruyff just didn't quite feel that he was good enough to have his father's name on his back. Jesus says, if anything I read in the Bible is true, that you are, because Jesus died for you, and gave his life for you, you can have that name on your back. Whoever you are, it doesn't matter. Oh, I'm, I'm not clever. I'm not important. Yes, actually, Jesus died for you. You're pretty important. You are special, each one of you. And God has something for each of you to do. When you go out, and I know we keep using this picture of the pitch, but when you go out on that pitch, he has, he has a position for you to play in. 
you don't just have, you, not only have you got a name, you've got a number on your back as well, a position, and, and you are the person he wants to play there. You are the person he wants in that position. He needs you there. Without you, you can, you can lose. <laughs> um, I am very glad that I'm not a Southampton fan uh, because uh, on, I think it was Friday, they got well and truly tonked. Um, but one of the reasons that they were helped was because in, and after a very short time, one of their players got sent off. And uh, that player wasn't in the position he should have been. That name didn't go on the pitch. God wants all of you with your name, his name, on that pitch. Okay? It's not about... Wes gave that great talk last week. It's about our pitches out there. When you go out there, go in God's name. Go in God's name, and every one of you can wear that. No one is not worthy of wearing it. Every one of you. That's why Jesus died on that cross for you. I... I'm, I'm finished there. Um, I just want to say, God loves you so much, more than you can ever realize, and he wants so much for you. Wear the name. I'm going to pray now. Father God, thank you. Thank you for being our Father. Thank you that we can wear your name. We can tell people you are. I have a Father God who loves me and sent his Son to die for me, has a place for me. He has a place for me in heaven one day, but he's got a place for me on this earth. He's got a position for me and things for me to do. Father God, I thank you that each person here can say, Jesus loves me, cares for me, and I am worth, worthy of having the name on the back. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.